The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hello, Giants fans, and welcome to a new edition of what I hope will be a very special, very enjoyable Valentine's News podcast for you on this Monday, February 15th. I'm your host, Ed Valentine of Big Blue View. couple of things for you today. First, we're going to go through my selections in my first three-round mock draft at Big Blue View. Those of you who are familiar with the site know that uh, traditionally each year at this time, I do weekly mock drafts using a simulator, making picks for the Giants, and we'll go through some of those. We'll go through some of the parameters and some of the uh, the, the reasons for why I do this the way that I do, and, and we'll talk about some of the picks that I made in this in this first mock that I that I've done. Also, a little bit later on, we have an interview with Senior Bowl Executive Director Jim Nagy that you're not going to want to miss as he talks about some of his favorite players from uh, Senior Bowl week a couple of weeks back and uh, some guys that uh, that could be good fits for the Giants, guys that, that you uh, need to pay attention to and and study up on as we uh, as we approach the uh, 2021 NFL draft. All right, let's uh, let's do this first. We'll talk about uh, we'll talk about my first three round mock draft. I used the Pro Football Network simulator. There are several simulators out there. Draft Network has a simulator. I believe Pro Football Focus has a simulator. There are a couple of other. There's a FanSpeak simulator out there. So there are plenty of, of choices. And, and as we go through this uh, approaching the draft, I'll probably use various simulators to do this. One of the things that I try to do as I build these mock drafts, this one happens to be a three-rounder. You know, Maybe as we go along and as I learn prospects a little bit more, we'll go four rounds, five rounds, maybe a full seven rounds. But... Um, one of the things that I try to do is present different scenarios. As we sit here in the middle of February, I'm not absolutely trying to predict the players that I think the Giants will draft. I'm trying to present different scenarios, different ways that the draft could unfold and uh, and, and get opportunities to uh, to talk about different players and different different ways to fill what we see as potential needs for the Giants. 
And obviously, at this time of year, although we love to talk about mock drafts, we love to uh, to discuss the draft, we're handicapped a little bit because free agency comes before the draft, and we don't know what teams will do. We don't know if the Giants will sign a, a, a top-tier wide receiver. We don't know if they'll be able to... Uh, to find some edge rushing help or cornerback help or or what they might do in free agency. We don't know yet what players they're going to, uh, to, to move on from that are currently on their own roster as well. But the speculation is fun. We know you enjoy it. I enjoy it. So with, with all of that said, let's get to, uh, to my picks in this first edition of our mock draft. In, uh, in the first round at number 11, I chose Jalen Waddell, wide receiver from Alabama. The reality was the, the other three receivers, Devonta Smith, Jamar Chase, Kyle Pitts of Florida, were off the board. Also off the board were cornerbacks Patrick Sertain and Caleb Farley. That left Waddell at 11 and perhaps some of the edge rushers, perhaps Rashawn Slater of, of Northwestern. I have said repeatedly throughout the offseason that the biggest need for the Giants, you know, going into 2021 is to find weapons for quarterback Daniel Jones as he enters his third season. So here I pretty much went with the chalk pick, went with the uh the pick that that most of the mock drafts would would make in this situation as well. I went with Waddle, the explosive wide receiver out of Alabama, guy that's got uh return ability in, on kickoffs as well. So, you know, we, we went right to uh, right to the, the biggest need with the best player available to fill that need. In round two, I went with Jalen Phillips, edge rusher out of Miami at number 43. And here, this was really, for me, was a choice between Phillips, productive edge rusher out of Miami, and Jason Owe of Penn State. Another highly regarded, talented edge rusher with a lot of traits, long arms, ability to bend, some, some good explosion off the edge, but uh, a guy that had no real production at Penn State in 2020. And, and I went with Phillips, although he's got an injury history, a concussion history, had retired once, and took a year off while he was at Miami, has had wrist injuries that required surgery. I went with Phillips. I mean, this is a guy who has all of the traits that you want, showed the ability both to rush standing up and with his hand in the ground at Miami. He's got the long arms. He's got the size. He's got the ability to bend the edge. He had nine sacks, 29 hurries, 18 run stops this year for Miami. I could not ignore that production in my story at Big Blue View, I said, you know, in this particular scenario, it wouldn't surprise me for the Giants to pick OA for the simple reason that defensive line coach Sean Spencer coached OA at Penn State, knows the player, knows exactly what the Giants would be getting. And if the Giants were to pick OA, I'm certain it would come with a strong recommendation from Sean Spencer. So, but but I can't ignore the production. So at number 43, I went with Phillips. At 76 for the Giants in the third round, I took cornerback Greg Newsom out of Northwestern, 6'1", 190, held wide receivers to a 31.7 passer rating against. 
when he was targeted in 2020. Guy that has the the length, the athleticism to play some man coverage and give the Giants a potential option uh, across from James Bradbury at a position where the Giants you know, needed or really had a revolving door in 2020 and, and needed some help going forward. So pretty much in this mock, I, I didn't make any trades. I didn't consider any trades. I pretty much went chalk and I pretty much went and tried in my three rounds to hit need positions. I don't always recommend, you know, making quote unquote need picks, but in this particular case, what I wanted to do is kind of go chalk, kind of lay a baseline for the the mock drafts that are to come over the next several weeks. If you follow those mocks, you will see that that each one is done slightly different. In some of those mocks, I'll make trades, and some of those mocks. I may pick wide receiver in round one. I may go a different way the, the next time, even though I might be presented with the choice of Jalen Waddle versus, you know, versus Rashawn Slater versus a cornerback versus an edge rusher. I may go a different way, you know, simply to to create a different discussion. But here I went pretty much chalk. And uh, you guys, you know, feel free to to email BigBlueView at gmail dot com. Let me know what you think of uh, of, of this mock. Let me know what you uh, you know what you think of, of the podcast as well. All right, Giants fans, please uh, hang in there as we take a break for a word from our sponsors at SB Nation. When we come back, I will be talking to Senior Bowl Executive Director Jim Nagy in an interview uh, that I think you're really going to enjoy. So stay tuned. Support for this show comes from Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Loom help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. That's why millions of teams around the world, including 75% of the Fortune 500, trust Atlassian software for everything from space exploration and green energy to delivering pizzas and podcasts. Whether you're a team of two, 200 or 2 million, or whether your team is around the corner or on another continent altogether, Atlassian Software is built to help keep you all on the same page from start to finish. That way, every one of your teams, from engineering and IT to marketing, HR and legal, can stay connected and move together as one towards shared company-wide goals. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Giants fans, I'm always thrilled when our next guest uh, makes a little bit of time to uh, to join our, our little New York Giants-related program. I have a chance right now to... Uh, 
to, to get some, some draft-related thoughts from Senior Bowl Executive Director Jim Nagy. Jim, thank you very, very much for, uh, for joining the show and spending some time with us. Yeah, absolutely. And I love coming on with you, so uh, thanks for having me back. Hey, so I, I, I need to start with, with this. I just need to start by congratulating you guys on, on pulling off a, a successful Senior Bowl in, in this environment. Uh, I, I'm sure... You know, I'm sure you guys feel good about that, as you most definitely should. Uh, yeah, I appreciate you saying that. It was definitely a challenging year trying to pull off a senior bowl where we're flying in people from all over the country during a uh, pandemic. So there were, there were definitely, uh, we kind of had to reinvent the wheel this year to make it happen. But, uh, you know, we were working through our... Working through our plan through the fall, and what really helped was, uh, you know, once football season started, um, we had we had a lot of things laid out over the summer, spring and summer, and then. Uh, but once football started, and you got to pick the brains of, you know, friends at the end in the NFL and at the college level to see what was working and not working. Um, once they had their, you know, once they had their players in the building, it was it was a lot easier to, to formulate our plan and move forward. And, and really, once we got to the point where we felt confident we could pull it off safely, then it was uh, then it was full speed ahead. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's always a relief to get through Senior Bowl week because there's so much that goes into it. But uh, you know, especially in a year like this year, to bring. 136 players to Mobile and, and uh, you know, the entire NFL to only have one positive test out of over 3,600 tests given during the week. Um, yeah, we feel we feel very grateful. And, you know, the Senior Bowl is always, you know, an incredibly important part of the, uh, the pre-draft process. Was it, you know, for you, you know, for the NFL folks, for the, the players that, that you were able to get involved in it, was it more important this year just because of the circumstances, because of no combine, because a lot of these kids didn't get to, you know, or at least some of the kids didn't get to have a, a fall season? Was it, was it even more important of an event, you know, this time around? Uh, yeah, I think it was. Um, I think that's fair to say. You know, I think smart teams have really moved away from combine evaluations, to be honest. Um, they've gotten back. They're, they're really the value of the combine is for the medicals and for the interviews. Um, not as much on the, on the workout stuff anymore. They're, I mean, I was a part of teams that, that get burned by that stuff, you know, really evaluating guys in shorts and T-shirts. So, um, you know, I, I really think that the smart teams are really focusing on our week and the other all-star games because it's, it's actual real football, <laughs> yeah. but but no, it's certainly um, certainly more important. And we we told our we told our 136 guys when they got here, they're in a unique position because they're probably the only 136 guys in this draft cycle um, that are going to be interviewed face to face with plexiglass, obviously this year, but uh, interviewed face to face with all 32 teams and be evaluated on the field for an entire week. And just that, that familiarity, that exposure to these decision-makers um, is absolutely critical. I mean, they're going to try to pull off pro days this spring, um, but that's, you know, that's going to be mostly scouts crisscrossing the country doing that. It's not going to be GMs and director-level guys. The guys are going to be making the calls in April. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's just w- without, without the combine this year and, and without a normal pro day circuit, uh, and without the East West Shrine game and the NFLPA game, this was uh, yeah. I do feel like the game took on a, a little more importance this year. 
all right so let's so let's get down to get down to business here which which of your guys out of those 136 guys who made themselves some money during that during the senior bowl week okay how long do we have right now ed uh, <laughs> well i can go as no, long as you can go <laughs> that's a really hard question because i feel like all these guys help themselves in one way or another whether it's on the field or in the interviews um you know, are just showing their competitiveness and toughness and love for football by coming here. But uh, I mean, we could we could really go position by position across the board that I'm staring at right now. And um, you know, Mac Jones certainly helped himself, uh, the quarterback from Alabama. Uh, you know, running back Michael Carter from North Carolina helped himself a ton. He had a great week. Wide receivers: um, D. Eskridge from West Virginia, Josh Palmer, Tennessee. Um, you know, Amari Rogers, Clemson, Demetric Felton, UCLA. Um, you just, you, you can work across the board every single position. There's guys, we, we're just getting through the end of the tape these next couple of days, and we've been through every position group, but now we got to go back and rewatch the game and some other things. But, uh, yeah, I mean, there, there, was a, there was a ton of guys, I mean, really at every position that, that, that really showed out, and some of them were a little bit of a surprise, you know. Uh, like they, they wouldn't have been here if we didn't if we didn't really like them as players. But you know, it's always interesting to see which guys come here and are better than even than we thought they were. And uh, there was a number of those guys this year as well. So let's let's talk a little bit. You know, obviously, you know my my site covers the Giants, and I think you know if if you if you follow the Giants at all, you kind of know what their needs are going into this offseason they need some help for Daniel Jones at you know at wide receiver they could probably use some edge rush help on defense they could probably use a cornerback maybe you know maybe an additional linebacker maybe even some offensive line help so there there are some areas so let let's actually talk about about um a couple of those let's talk about wide receiver and there's there's a couple guys that were in your game that I've looked at that just jump off the page for me as guys I, I would love to see in a Giants uniform. I mean, one of those guys is 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 Nico Collins, and another one as a wide receiver is uh, is Kadarius Tony. I mean, if you can just tell me a little bit about those two guys, I'd appreciate it. Yeah, um, the nice thing about this year's class in, in our game, there's kind of 31 flavors. Um, there's a lot of different skill sets. Nico was was one of our biggest uh, receivers down here, along with like Sage Surratt from from Wake Forest. Uh, but you know, Nico's a guy that's I think he measured six oh four two, and he was two fifteen, which is down about fifteen pounds from where he played on 2019 tape at Michigan. So uh, you know, I was really curious to see what he was going to look like at that lighter weight. Much quicker, much twitchier player now than he was. I mean, you got to go because because he opted out this year. All the tape you've watched on 2019, it's like this guy's almost a different player now, um, and you can see it in his releases and at the top of routes. Much much quicker. Um, had some unbelievable plays on the ball during the week. Some some really acrobatic stuff. Some great red zone stuff. Um, so a lot of guys, six oh four two two fifteen. You know, they 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 struggle to release. They struggle to at the top of a route, and uh, that's a couple areas where Nico's gotten a lot better um, now that he's trimmer and fitter. Um, 
So again, if you're looking for a bigger receiver, and to me, he's not just a possession guy anymore because he, he runs really runs runs well now. I mean, Nico looks on tape coming out of Senior Bowl week. He looked like a high four four guy. So when you got those measurables, when you're six four two fifteen running high four fours, I mean that's. There's not many guys in the league that have that that tool set. So he's a, he's a really good one. Um, and then Kadarius is, uh, you know, one of, was obviously one of the most electric players in college football this year. You know, I've personally been watching Kadarius for about six or seven years now, going back to his high school days here in Mobile. And uh, he played quarterback back then. And uh, But even from his first day, I remember seeing him when I was scouting for the Seahawks his freshman year at Gainesville. Uh, by far the most dynamic player on the field is a freshman. Um, and they've had and they've had really good receivers. They've had Van Jefferson and Tyree Cleveland and Freddie Swain. I mean, those three guys all got drafted last year. This year, they've got Trayvon Grimes and, and Kadarius. So it's not like he's been at a school that has lacked wide receiver um, talent. But he's he's uh, just his change of direction and uh, you know how explosive he is. You know, with the ball in his hands, and he's one of those guys too that you kind of throw the measurables out because he's not the biggest guy. But he plays really big with the ball in his hands. He's really powerful through contact. He's tough. He's aggressive. The football makeup is really off the charts when it comes to passion for the for the game and competitiveness when he gets on the field. And uh, you know, as a route runner, he's just he's a really hard cover because he can because he's so quick changing direction and he knows how to set guys up. And uh, so yeah, he's gonna. I think the league's looking for guys like Debo Samuel, um, who was in our game a couple years ago. That's kind of the trend right now, trying to find that that guy. You just get the ball in his hands quick and let him make plays. And, and I think Kadarius is the next one in line in that in that mold. What, what's the chance? I think uh, I know the Giants pick at eleven, which I think gives them forty three in the second round. What's the chance he's still sitting there at forty three? Zero. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I thought. No, he's he's going to be long gone by then. Um, just too just too dynamic of a player, you know. Mm-hmm. There's just too much playmaking ability there, mm-hmm. and he can return punts. Um, so no, he won't he won't be there. I think Nico's probably got a chance to be there. I think that's kind of the, the area where Nico's going to go right now. You know, that late one, early two area. So they're they're completely different skill sets, and they bring completely different things to the table for the Giants, but. Uh, like you said, Daniel needs weapons. They need it. They need to surround a young quarterback like that with with people that can make plays for him. And both of those guys would certainly help in that area. You know, and I know there were a ton of guys in in your game. Uh, Sage Surratt, you know, Tylen Wallace, Amari Rogers, uh, Dwayne Eskridge. Just tell me, you know, just quickly about you know a couple of those guys you think might be you know might be good fits or good targets for the Giants. Yeah, um, Eskridge is a guy that I think is, is going to go somewhere in that in that late one, early two range as well. Um, you know, just playing in the MAC at Western Michigan, played at a completely different speed than everyone else. And then so you wonder, like, is it the level of competition or, like, you know, how fast is he really? Because he looks blazing fast on tape. And then he comes down here and, he you know, he only practiced two days, but um, he had a collarbone injury, a chest injury at the end of the second day, but no one could cover him. I mean, he's he's probably going to be a low 4-3 guy. He's tremendous with the ball in his hands. He's not he's not quite the change of direction guy that Kadarius is, but like equally dangerous when he gets the ball just because he can his, – his first step acceleration is, is off the chart. So um, D's going to be in there. You mentioned Tylen Wallace, one of my favorite players in the, in the draft. He's, he's really a pro's pro receiver. 
Again, a guy that's only 5'11", 185, but plays like he's 6'2", 215. Again, throw throw the measurables out with Thailand. Like he, he plays big on the ball. He plays big with the ball in his hands. He's competitive, uh, really fiery competitor. So he's a really good one. Um, and, and really the guy that people have to focus on that should be gaining a lot of traction out of Senior Bowl week is Demetric Felton from UCLA. Um, he played mostly running back at UCLA. So we kind of did the opposite of what we did last year with Antonio Gibson, who ended up having an awesome rookie year this year for Washington as their starting running back. You know, Antonio was a wide receiver in college, brought him down here, and I told him, Antonio, you're, you're gonna, you could be an okay receiver at the next level, but you got a chance to be a really good running back. So why don't you come down here and kind of showcase that for the week, let the league see, you know, where you're at instincts-wise as a runner. And uh, he did that, and I think that Demetri did the same thing at wideout. I mean, for a guy that uh, for a guy that's never been a full-time receiver, he's, he's played out there a little bit, but he's more of a running back by trade. His uh, his route savvy and his ability to create separation is uh, it's pretty unique. Um, he, I mean, he he won the receiver of the of the week award, voted on by his team's corners that were trying to cover him all week, um, trying to cover him unsuccessfully for the most part. Mm-hmm. But uh, got open all week, made a bunch of tremendous catches. So Demetrius really one of those guys at the next level. Like you don't want to label him because you can put him in the backfield and you can get three down value out of him at running back, and then you can put him in the slot. And he even won a bunch outside. He he won down the field vertically outside this week as well. So um, you know probably coming into the week, Demetrius was probably thought as more of a mid round pick. But uh, I don't see him getting out of day two now after the week he had down here. Yeah, and the league loves those kinds of guys now, you know, the kinds of guys that they can move around and do different things with. I know it's just more and more of the league's going to that to that kind of a player. Absolutely. Um, let's let's change gears a little bit. The uh you know, the Giants got by in twenty twenty pass rush wise. Uh Leonard Williams had a great year. They got to, you know, they were able to scheme up some some pressure some some other ways um they don't necessarily have that that number one dominant you know pass rusher who who always needs to be double teamed and and to be honest i'm not sure that that guy is in this draft class either at least where the giants are going to be able to uh to select but there were there were a couple of guys in, in your game that i think are probably you know, day two type picks who who can at least help a team in pass rush area, and, and the guy that that keeps jumping off the page to me, and I thought in a little bit that I saw from from Senior Bowl week is uh, is the kid out of Miami, Quincy Roche. Um, is when I look at him, I mean, he doesn't look like a tremendous athlete to me, but he just keeps winning. I mean, what what are your thoughts on that on this kid? Yeah, I thought you were going to say Quincy. Actually, when you started setting that up, uh, no, he's one of those guys that's better than I thought he was. And we've liked him for two years now, going back to his time at Temple. Um, Yeah, he's not a wowie athlete, although I will say this one, you know, during our week, seeing him live, he is twitchier and a little more slippery and bendy than I thought he was. Um, I guess the biggest compliment, you know, I could give the guy is that he's just a really hard block. Um, he, he makes people work when they block him. I mean, you see you you see a lot of guys, like, have a good rep here, and, you know, they'll flash here and, and flash there. But Quincy all week, I don't know if 
anyone ever really got their hands on him and made it look he just locked him up i mean he's he knows how to set guys up he knows how to rush that's why i think he's got a chance to contribute immediately um at the next level is is on third downs and in sub situations because you know that's a big jump going from uh, college football where offensive linemen aren't really skilled using their hands yet to a league where those guys have to pick up the tricks of the trade and and know how to do those things and so that's why it's hard sometimes for young pass rushers to to really be impactful right away. Um, but I think Quincy's got a chance to uh, get in the field and contribute in a big way next year because he already knows how to rush. And, uh, you know, he knows how to set guys up. He knows how to counter. He knows how to feel pressure. Um, he's really good with his hands. He's relentless. So, uh, yeah, he had a really good week down here. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I think he's somewhere on day two. And uh, he's probably going to be a better player and outperform wherever he gets picked because he's just uh, – that's kind of player he is. He's just a producer. It's interesting because that was that was kind of the, the way that I was thinking of him too is he might well be a kid who wherever he gets picked, he's going to outperform that draft slot was sort of the, the same way I was thinking about him. But yeah, let, let absolutely. Me, let, let me ask you, you know, one of the – Talk. You know, I, I get comments from fans about, oh, the Giants should draft this guy and that guy, and this guy can help their pass rush. And but one of one of the interesting things is, you know, the, the Giants basically play three four. So a lot of their edge guys are are you know the stand up kinds of guys. And so I, I look at a lot of these kids who play so much in college as four three defensive ends. And it's hard for me to envision, you know, I think a kid like Patrick Jones is, is one who played a lot of, of 4-3 at Pitt. It's hard for me to envision, you know, some of these guys as sort of a stand-up end in a 3-4. So I'm just, I'm, I just want to ask you, you know, other than Quincy, maybe a couple of other guys, you know, from your game or a couple of other guys that might even be, you know, day two types, you know, who who can really be, is sort of that that stand up, you know, pass rush end, and, you know, maybe drop into coverage on occasion. Yeah, I don't see this guy dropping into coverage much. But Carlos Basham, Boogie Basham from Wake Forest, is a really cool player because he can he can pressure from anywhere along the line, and I and I do think he can stand up and do it. We've seen him do it. Um, he can also line up inside over guards and and, and whoop them as well. So, um, you know, Boogie might might be a first-round guy. You know, there's a really good chance Boogie goes in the first round. Um, but if we're talking more day two, like exactly what you were just kind of describing, Dalen Hayes from Notre Dame um, is a guy that, that really showed out during our week. Uh, you know, he did play on his feet. He did play from a two-point. A little bit there at Notre Dame, they dropped him a little bit, um, but we did a lot more down here with him, and he looked really good at it. Uh, a guy like Ellerson Smith out of out of Northern Iowa is a really high upside guy with with all the physical traits you need. If there were a combine this year, Ellerson, Ellerson would have been kind of the buzz guys coming out of Indy this year because he's going to test off the charts. Um, he's another guy because of his length. Um, I think you can move him inside, move him all around. Um, but he's athletic enough to play on his feet and get a lot done. Jonathan Cooper from Ohio State, Wyatt Hubert from Kansas State, um, Shaka Tony from Penn State, you know, is a guy that, just like you talked about, played with his hand in the dirt mostly for Penn State, came down here, um, got to stand up more, got to cover more, 
and uh, there's there's a lot more to Shaka Tony than than probably what you saw on Penn State tape. He, he's a pretty he's a really versatile player. Interesting. Let's you know let's talk quickly um, about the cornerback position. You know, obviously, the Giants have James Bradbury, uh, but they sort of had a revolving door at, at the other corner and probably played a lot more zone than Patrick Graham would like. And sort of because of largely because of, of that second corner, if they don't go, if they don't go for a guy like uh, Patrick Sertain or Caleb Farley, you know, at eleven, um, you got a couple of guys later that that might be able to uh, you know to to start at corner, um, you know, on the on the other side, especially guys yeah, that I mean, can do some man. Yeah, I mean your your nickel spots pretty solved with Darnay Holmes as well, right? I mean, right. Darnay was in our game last year, and he played he played at a high level for the Giants. Am I, am I, am I right there? Yes. Okay. So you got, so you're, you're really looking for outside guys, and uh, there are a number of them. I mean, Aaron Robinson from UCF is one of my, my favorite corners in this class because, because you can move him around. Um, he reminds me a lot of Minka Fitzpatrick when Minka was at Alabama. They act Aaron is a guy that started off at Alabama, but he played mostly in the slot for UCF, but um, he's just a baller. I mean, you could play him at safety. You could play him outside. Really good player. I think one of the, the, the biggest risers coming out of our game um, is someone up in your neck of the woods. Uh, he fought to Malafonwu from Syracuse. You know, big, 6'3", 215 pounds, um, really bends and moves easily for a guy his size. Got his hands on a lot of balls down here last week. Uh, Robert Rochelle is a small school guy from Central Arkansas, kind of like Bradbury. You know, James played in the, in the Senior Bowl before I got here, but um, I remember I, I scouted him at Samford. Um, Robert's, you know, really similar level of competition in college. Um, so, you know, just like it did with James, it probably took James, you know, a year or two to really, to really break out at the next level. Robert's probably a little bit in that same vein that, if you need a guy next year to step right in, I don't know if Robert's going to be that guy, but he's probably going to go at the tail end of day two um, just because he's long. He can really run. He's competitive. Um, he knows how to play the ball. And then a guy, you know, another guy that really played himself up last week is Keith Taylor from Washington. So another long body, you know, six one, long arms, um, good press man player. And again, a guy that really stood out last week in coverage. Yeah, I, it's funny. I was thinking about Keith Taylor. I'm glad you mentioned him because because every time we have talked to to Patrick Graham about what sort of player he likes, especially out you know in in coverage, he says he says, "Do they have long arms? Can they run? <laughs> you know, and can they tackle?" He says, "If they can do those three things, I like them." Well, in, in, you know, then I'll, I'll have to bring up a guy that is probably under most radars is a, is a junior that played in our game um, named Benjamin St. Juiced from Minnesota. He was 6033, 200 pounds with 32 inch arms and an 80 and a quarter wingspan. So um, that, that's rare. That's rare size. There's only seven corners in the league right now over 6'3, and uh, most of them are stiff. And Benjamin's definitely not stiff. He can really bend. Um, he did a great job getting his hands on people at the line of scrimmage down here. Again, came out early, had one more year left at Minnesota. And, uh, you know, that, that, that type of height and length, I mean, he's going to – and he was very competitive down here, very physical, competitive. I think that, uh, 
you know, the league right now is all over the kid. I, I don't think that uh, draft Twitter and, and the internet is caught up yet on, on Ben, but um, they will. They will when they when they when it starts leaking out how much the league likes them. So that's probably another guy the Giants should be looking at. Interesting. Hey, Jim. You know, we could uh, we could do this all day, um, but uh, I think probably that's that's probably a good place for us to. Uh, to, to call it a day hopefully you know maybe before the draft we'll get you back on we'll talk about some other guys we'll talk about some other positions really uh, really appreciate your time why don't you just let folks know what your twitter is and, and all that uh you know b- before i let you go okay yeah i think they can follow the senior bowl at, at senior bowl on twitter um and, and then mine is uh at jim Nagy underscore sb for senior bowl and uh yeah we'll be posting stuff every day uh, i'm going to we're going to post some video clips from our week a couple times per day on a couple players a day um, as we work through the draft process. And then uh, I'm going to be starting back up doing doing work with ESPN here in about a week between now and the draft like I have the last couple of years. So, uh, yeah, just give us a follow, and, and hopefully we'll be posting some good stuff and keeping the Giants fans uh, you know, in tune with, with guys that can come help their team next year. Yeah, we uh, we we always we always appreciate the help. So thank you very very much for uh, for coming on. All right, Giants fans, that's our show for today. Thanks as always for listening and supporting Big Blue View on its many platforms, which include not only the website and the podcast, but YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, and our Twitter page. Also, you know, please remember. <clears throat> And COVID-19 is is still raging out there. There are also storms, you know, winter storms going up and down the uh, the East Coast and across much of the country. So, you know, please stay safe out there. Take care of each other. And we'll talk to you soon. All right. Bye-bye.